Welcome back to Podcast 1 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers. And follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. For a different perspective in approaching college basketball, please visit Shot Quality Bets and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms and condition apply. If you'd like to support The Oddsbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, Please visit theosbreakers.com, become a member, pick any of our winning handicappers, get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Osbreakers and become a free picks and telegram newsletter subscriber. Well, my friends, it's early Tuesday morning. Obviously, uh, had some different material prepared for this podcast, but after what happened last night to Demir Hamlin and that um, uh, hit and the heart attack and everything. It's uh, become quite of a quite a somber environment here across the sports landscape, the sports betting landscape, pretty much anything to do with football and just, uh, you know, thinking about overall health and your loved ones in itself. Uh, it was really, really upset last night after that happened I thought it was just potentially just a concussion you know like other people but the way he dropped was really strange and then I saw that some of the players with their hands over their faces and then kneeling and I knew it was something pretty serious there you know um, I was guessing they were giving him CPR and they were and uh, thank god uh, they are able to resuscitate Damar and uh, he's in critical condition right now as I podcast so um very very uh somber moment for that and it's you know football doesn't matter sports betting doesn't matter right now it's just a very weird and sad situation that we have to witness it there's tons of speculation going on of course uh the latest one i heard is commodio cordis it's when your heart stops when a blunt impact to the chest happens uh, and it, i guess it's uh more common in teenagers when that happens it's a, it's a certain time during your arrhythmic cycle where you get the hit that can cause the heart to stop i heard that before and uh i i don't know i'm not into speculating uh what happened to him but it's very tragic and it's a very scary thing uh, apparently the players decided to stop the game before the nfl stepped in uh, there's going to be all kinds of questions coming on from a competitive landscape, from a fantasy landscape, and I understand all that's going to get addressed, but the important thing right now is definitely DeMar Hamlin's uh, life, his family, uh, his friends, and the overall health of uh, that kid right there. You know, that young man right there is the only thing that's important. And uh, hopefully uh, we get some good news, um, can uh, plan for situations like this better in the future and uh, move on with our lives, you know. Uh, don't know how to compare this. I know there's deadlier sports out there, uh, auto racing and things like that. I don't know what their protocols are when something serious happens. But um, 
I think they did the right thing by postponing this game um, when something like this happens. So bravo to the players and the coaches for doing that. Moving on to our recap of the weekend. You know, college football was uh, pretty entertaining from the most part. There were some issues for sure that's happened uh, throughout the weekend that you can pretty much expect these days, uh, especially in the Fiesta Bowl. That was pretty pretty awful how, uh, you know, the uh, officials became the stars of the game again. Uh, it was very disappointing. Uh, from a sports betting perspective, it's been going very well for myself. I, was, I came into uh, Saturday 27 in one in college bowls. Now, kind of evened out a little bit uh, on Saturday and Sunday. I believe I'm still up about 25 units uh, from the college bowl perspective. So definitely happy with uh, the way I've been trending there. One thing I did notice in general about these college bowls is that lots of the steam has been wrong, like flat out wrong. Uh, steam came in. I, I suppose the Air Force one was probably the only one that was really correct, but all the steam that came in on Oregon throughout the whole month, well, they beat North Carolina by one freaking point. <laughs> so uh, think about that. Lots of steam came on Coastal Carolina, uh, bringing it all the way from 9.5 down to 7 because McCall was playing, well, they got blown out by 24 points. Uh, some of the steam came on Ole Miss at the end. Uh, Texas Tech won outright, so that was wrong. Uh, some of the steam came in on Washington, which was correct. We were on Washington plus four. That ended up okay for us. Uh, one of our biggest hits was our teaser, how we teased Florida State to minus two and a half with Georgia Southern as well as having Oklahoma plus seven and a half and uh, Buffalo plus three and a half. Everything worked out well for us on that one. Uh, you know, one of those situations where everyone thought that Oklahoma was going to get absolutely blown out. Well, they were in that game the whole game. <laughs> they almost won that game. It took a very big effort from Florida State to kind of come back in that game. But Dylan Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel looked very good this game. And he was a very competent quarterback, 14 for 24, 243 yards, uh, 14 runs for 17 yards. Not so much running. He did run in for a touchdown, threw one touchdown, but I thought they got too conservative. A little bit at the end there, allowing Florida State to uh, catch up to him and force the field goal, obviously, very late in that game. One of the plays that I missed was Syracuse plus seven and a half. A uh, bunch of opt-outs happened to them, and this thing went all the way to ten and a half. The steam brought it up to Minnesota. Unfortunately, my side was wrong by a half point, losing 28 to 20. But another situation where the steam was completely off on this game, Syracuse did enough to cover with that backdoor touchdown that happened in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, it didn't do my plays or my customers any good in that situation but um you know hopefully some of you guys if you like the Syracuse side got it early I actually personally flip-flopped myself and started like in Minnesota more and just one of those bets I decided not to get out of and I didn't really have an opportunity to get out because uh I was going to think about trying to get out of it live but Minnesota was pretty much leading the way the whole game until that back door so it's just a very weird situation in that game Tennessee took care of business against Clemson uh, they just are a very talented team, and uh, 
Milton didn't have to do a ton. He really didn't. Uh, 251 passing yards is pretty good with three touchdowns, though. We got to admit that. So I guess uh, I backtracked that last statement a little bit. He did do a fantastic job. Cade Klubnick had 320 passing yards, though, so he did have the more passing yards, but no touchdowns and two interceptions certainly hurt, hurt uh, Clemson. One thing that was impressive to me was uh, Tennessee kind of start stopped Shipley. I mean, for the most part, he was only averaging 4.2 yards per attempt. And, uh, you know, just kind of put Clemson on the back of their heels a little bit. They had to abandon the run, and, uh, you know, that's how it kind of spiraled from themselves. They uh, got into an uncomfortable situation. Uh, Notre Dame, South Carolina, that started out really bad for Notre Dame backers, such as myself, being down 21-7 to in the first quarter. I think it was 21 to nothing. I'm not sure I have to recheck that, but uh, Notre Dame did enough to kind of come back and uh, win that game at the very end. Uh, I was happy that Buckner played. That was kind of the thing that I heard when Chris Felica was on the podcast. He was a little surprised about that, and I said, yeah, that's what they're talking about. They said Buckner might play. I'm not sure if it's real or not, and he ended up playing. So it was nice, a nice little free roll we took at Notre Dame minus two. That thing closed at minus four, but it did cover at the very end with the front door uh, touchdown for the Irish. You know, I actually forgot to give out a play. So it would have been 21-7-1 with Maryland. I can't count it. I bet it myself. I forgot to send it out. But it was a nice uh, win for the Big Ten there. Like I said, it was kind of mediocre Big Ten versus mediocre ACC. And uh, the mediocre Big Ten won out. Very ugly game, 16-12 final score. So it was a very defensive-oriented game, but I just thought that Maryland's defense was a little bit better than they're getting credit for in the marketplace there. So uh, big game for them. Moving on to the Fiesta Bulls, I already mentioned, with TCU versus Michigan. Uh, you know, it's crazy when a call's made and it's on the field and they say it's just not enough evidence to overturn it. That sometimes drives me nuts when I say, well, my eyes are showing the evidence that's there to overturn it. So how can you say that? that? That's one frustrating thing about the refs correcting their own homework and doing their own replays. But the bigger frustrating thing is what happened in this game when the ref actually got it right on the field calling a touchdown. The video evidence saw him kind of bobble the ball and he didn't actually catch it until he was past the goal line and pretty well past the goal line. And then they reversed it, like completely botched it and got it wrong on the replay factor itself, which everybody in America saw a clear touchdown. There's a lot of people tweeting about it. Barstool, Dave Portnoy was tweeting about it. But it was a massive swing because Michigan fumbled and TCU scored that fouling drive. That was a 14-point swing that happened in Michigan. So instead of being um, uh, 14 to 13, in the first half at the end, it was instead 21 to 6. <laughs> you know, very hard to come back from. Michigan was able to come back enough to keep it within a six point game, but just not enough time to uh, finish that game outright. Now, you can say, oh, the kids had opportunities to win. No, no, you don't have an opportunity to win when you got the score changed on you. That's spotting the other team points. So uh, it was a ref show in that game, and I was very disappointed for Michigan fans. Harbaugh fans and Big Ten fans that they got that absolute screw job put to them because now it lessens the you know whole integrity of the game to me. Uh, Ohio State Georgia was a much better game and a much 
better officiated game. You know, Ohio State, a lot of people can blame that field goal kicker. It was a shank kick, and you know what? The kid had a ton of pressure on him. But here's the problem. Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud put him in that position. Terrible play calling at the end. Ryan Day was trying to settle for a 50-some yard field goal there. I could not believe how bad the play calling was. And C.J. Stroud was just kind of just throwing the ball away, just hoping to not get intercepted. Relying on a 50-some yard field goal in the biggest game of your life from a kid that does not have the experience is absolutely atrocious. This loss was on Ohio State's coaching for a day, and it was also a little bit on the quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who actually had a fantastic freaking game. 350 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Just at the very end, you know, Georgia snuck back in the game. That's what happens when you get four down territory sometimes. Georgia didn't even run the ball all that good. They just were able to get back in the game with Stetson Bennett. And that's why I like Stetson Bennett for Heisman. He did enough to win. The Buckeyes got close enough, but that's for an NFL kicker. You know, that's for a guy like Justin Tucker. I would even trust a ton of NFL kickers with a 50-yard field goal with the game on the line, to be honest with you. You know, it was uh, Georgia just, these teams were, I thought, pretty equal. Um, I actually downgraded Georgia a little bit, my power rings after this one, just because, uh, you know, I saw some serious flaws with this team. Um, but then you can say, well, look at what Alabama and uh, Tennessee did. And I actually have them a little bit for our next segment. Let's get to January 2nd then. I was driving home from Flagstaff. I was up at Flagstaff for the weekend with my family. So I missed, unfortunately, the crazy play that happened in the Illinois game. Horrible beat. I did watch the replay and uh, the same situation with the Raiders lateral game. And, you know, just instead of the Raiders get like a team getting an outright win when it was tied, though, uh, this team literally just covered the spread. They're already going to win up two, and the spread closed at three and a half. Unfortunately for me, I bet on uh, Illinois before the passing of Mike Leach. And I only had plus one and a half, so my and my clients' bets were not as factored in. So it was a really horrible beat for people that got there late to the table on Illinois plus three and a half. I really, I certainly leaned Illinois plus three and a half uh, at the close of that line, but I was already invested for one and a half. Didn't really want to back out of that one either. I just thought Illinois had a proper chance to win that game, and they were winning that game for most of the time but you know they got it done for Mike Leach which makes me happy as well you know screw the bet I'm happy this team went out for one of the greatest coaches at least one of the greatest college coaches in my book of all time I was driving during the Cotton Bowl uh, USC I thought was completely going to win this game and massive choke happens them at the end there I believe they botched some special teams and fumbled the ball and all that stuff, and all of a sudden, uh, Toledo, who or sorry, Tulane, who was down by 12 points all the way up just to just a few minutes in this game, was able to uh, win it outright. Absolutely blew my mind how that happened. Um, I it was it was interesting. I kind of had to turn the radio down for a little bit. I turned it back up, and I found out that uh, five seconds left or something, they were able to score that. Uh, score that touchdown i mean caleb williams was fantastic that game 37 for 52 462 yards five tds and that 
one interception that burned him. But, uh, you know, Tulane just resilient enough to want to stay in the game and wait for USC to make a mistake. It was kind of the same type of things that happened during the Pac-12 championship, except it happened earlier where USC was making some of those dumb mistakes and wasn't winning the turnover battle like they won all year long. So really tough beat for USC backers. I don't know if it's a bad beat, though. Um, It was just, yeah, it was probably a bad beat. You don't fumble the ball away and fumble the game away like that at the end. It was a bad beat. And finally, a good treat on my side being that I did back uh, Tulane in that game. So really interesting. And then obviously the Rose Bowl, (laughs) it was going over until it wasn't. I mean, you had like a 85% chance of hitting the over until Cam Rising went out. And I was just like, oh my God, I have over 49. I have tons of line value. It closed at 54. I really considered a buyback, but my number was 55, 56 on that total. So I'm not going to buy back if my numbers don't say to do it. And I didn't, and uh, thank God at the very end, they got that garbage touchdown to backdoor the total. I was actually pushing at that point at the 49, but I'm glad all the people we gave that free play out to at 52, 53, the much bigger numbers, was able to cover with that backdoor as well because that that game was toast. I feel bad for Cam Rising going out like that, but at the same time, Sean Clifford has been at Penn State forever. It was a big moment for that kid. And, you know, he got emotional, and I was very, very happy for him. I was happy for Clifford and uh, happy for the Big Ten. It was a big win for the Big Ten after such a horrible (laughs) playoff uh, finish for Michigan and for Ohio State. Moving on to Sunday, we had a good NFL day, thanks to good stuff like teasers still hitting at a very high rate. Uh, Went 2-0 in teasers, 1-0 in parlays. Went nine and five on Sunday, so that was wonderful. Um, obviously, until the awfulness of Monday Night Football, but um, started out with the Cowboys versus Titans, and uh, it took a while for my Cowboys minus nine and a half to hit, and uh, it got a little scary and dicey there towards the end. It looks like Dobbs is going to be the quarterback of the future, at least the immediate future for the Titans. He's going to be starting this weekend. Dak Prescott was terrible for most of that game, throwing picks. And, I mean, he's playing against a bunch of second stringers and third stringers. He throws two interceptions, which really put Cowboys betters on the back of their heels. But finally, at the end, they were able to hold that 14-point lead. I mean, the spread closed at 13.5-14. So if if you're a bad sports better and got a bad number in that game, then uh, you probably deserve the push. But uh, most people, I'm sure, got under the 14. Uh, in that game itself. So now the Cowboys actually have a shot to win the division if the Eagles lose. But here's the problem. The next week is completely crazy up in the air. And the Giants do not improve their seed whatsoever, no matter what happens next week. So they're probably going to bench their whole team against the Eagles. That's why you see a 14-point spread for the Eagles. And uh, the Cowboys are going to have to settle for the best wild spot card spot anyways. Uh, Cardinals-Falcons, extremely ugly game. The Falcons won on a last-second field goal. Sad for J.J. Watt (laughs) going out on another losing team. I wish that man played for a good team rather than the Texans or the uh, the Cardinals during his career. But, hey, you know, you can't feel bad for a guy that's going to be looked at as one of the best 
uh, defensive ends in history and for the amount of money he was able to make. And But he's just an awesome dude as, as it is. Great charity guy and um, big heart on that guy. And he finally had kids, so I totally understand him. Not want to beat up his body anymore. Broncos Chiefs, that game got real dicey at the end. It's just one of those Chiefs games that where they have a massive spread and just kind of crap it away and don't cover a lot. You know, Mahomes is amazing, and, you know, he has three touchdowns and over 300 yards, but, you know, he has an ugly interception that happens, and then Kansas City fumbles with Kadarius Toney, and it's just... Uh, Kansas City really pisses away big spreads when you know that they technically box score wise would have covered it. So it must be frustrating just to be a Kansas City spread backer all year long. Panthers Buccaneers, uh, massive choke job on the Panthers. That was one of my five losses. Had the game in the bag. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're winning 14 to 10 all the way through the fourth quarter. Then they're up like, uh, I think it was uh, 21 to 10. Something like that. Uh, no, was it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was twenty-one or twenty-four to f- fourteen, something like that. And then they just completely crap the bed and give away a bunch of touchdowns. Sam Darnold's becomes Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. It's almost like Sam Darnold's out there saying, "Oh, you bet on me? Well, here is what you get for betting me. Here, team, take the other ball and score another garbage field goal to cover your spread." <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Not only did he piss away the win, at the very end, he also pisses away the cover. It's just so like Andy Dalton-ish, Sam Darnold-ish, you know, old Geno Smith days-ish. It's just shit that drives you absolutely bonkers as a sports better. But you got to take the good with the uh, bad, and you back to bad quarterback. That's the bottom line. You Panthers betters, including myself, we backed a bad quarterback. Don't be surprised. Not a bad beat, just a little bit more of a gamble, even though the Panthers as a team are better. Just a massive incompetent guy on the helm. Browns commanders. <laughs> commanders completely pissed their playoff chances away, and i get to that in the next segment. Jaguars, Titan, te- uh, Texans. I pissed at myself for this one. I bet myself out of the Jaguars. I took a three-star play on them, and then I got cold feet, thought they might not be motivated, took a bigger star play on the Texans, and the Jaguars won anyway. So 31-3, to not even close. A um, little bit upset myself for uh, getting cold feet on that one, but I have some solid plays already coming in for NFL Week 18. 49ers-Raiders was a very close game. Actually went to overtime and uh, Stidham kind of choked a little bit and threw that interception. He otherwise had a very good game with 365 yards and three TDs. Thought a couple uh, things that happened to the Niners at the end was a little bit shady, but, you know, that's the NFL for you. Seahawks, Jets. (laughs) Another team pretty much just putting uh, the other team away and taking them out of the playoffs was the Seahawks, and uh, they were motivated at home, and... uh, Mike White just kind of proved to be what he is, I guess. Uh, maybe a borderline backup quarterback, probably a little bit like a Tyler Heineke, right? Uh, I would say that's a pretty decent comparison right now, but you know, couldn't do much more than two field goals that game. And Seattle, with all the issues that they have at secondary, was still able to cover their spread easily, winning twenty-three to six. 
Vikings versus Packers. Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> Vikings uh, completely Viking that game away. At least Kirk Cousins from a fantasy aspect got a couple or got one garbage touchdown at the end and then his backup got one. So that was ugly. Uh, Rams Chargers was pretty ugly. The Chargers are a very formidable team right now. Uh, they're a hot team. They're 10 and 6. I, I tied my season win total over on the Chargers. So the only one I was really worried about was that one. And um, it's really come through. So I'm happy about that. And push at the worst. And they are now favored this week against Denver. And then uh, the Steelers Ravens. The Ravens had control of that game and completely choked it away and allowed the Steelers to score 10 to 0. At the end, losing that game 16-13, to 13, it was almost like a book. You know, I almost kind of saw that coming. I was on the Steelers' teaser leg and uh, never a worry at all. So I uh, was happy about that. And obviously, the terribleness on Monday Night Football that happened uh, last night. <laughs> The good, the bad, and the ugly of the weekend starts right now. And we're going to get into the good. Uh, Oklahoma showing up for their bowl game. Was happy about that. And good look for Brett Venables here. And uh, you got to give them credit for it. They've had a tough recruiting season. And uh, the Sooners are kind of back on track a little bit after I thought was a very formidable performance without some of their key offensive linemen and a few other guys. So that was good. Washington upsetting Texas, I thought was really good for that program. Got to love Kalen DeBoer over there and uh, just a massive victory for the Huskies. Uh, Texans, I wouldn't feel too bad if you're a a Texas Longhorns fan. You, You didn't have your two best running backs in that game and a few other guys. It was just hard to put it all on the shoulders of uh, Quinn Ewers against a very motivated uh, Washington team. Pittsburgh uh, winning outright against UCLA was good for the ACC. Uh, It seems like Dorian Thompson-Robinson just couldn't hold the ball and didn't want to throw picks. And, uh, you know, defense outplayed offense right there, and that's how it it ended up uh, ending. It's funny to see Pittsburgh do that with a bunch of guys that haven't played a lot this year, and uh, it's really a good sign for Pitt next year, and uh, I think the Panthers are looking good uh, to start the 2023 season. Tennessee, fantastic for them. They kicked ass and uh, beat Clemson and kind of took them out of their misery with a backup quarterback, so uh, huge for Milton coming into the 2023 season as well, and Got to give a big shout-out to Alabama. <laughs> I had my biggest play of College Bowl on Alabama minus six with four stars. I did put a star on Kansas State at plus seven and a half by and back. It was one of those situations where I planned to do that anyway. I was hoping to get like a 10. Never got that high, which kind of shocked me a little bit. But, you know, at that point, I'm like playing with house money. I got four stars on a play, and which is a very rarity to, for me. I could, I'm okay with making it just three stars and – uh Bama won easily. <laughs> it was just uh, an SEC thrashing that happened. It's almost funny when you watched Alabama play. You almost thought that they might have been better than Georgia <laughs> in that game. So uh, credit to Nick Saban, and I'm sure he restored some faith in Crimson Tide fans. And obviously Tulane. I mean, the way that it happened was probably not good, <laughs> but for the program itself, uh, winning against USC in the Cotton Bowl, in Texas, pretty close to 
where their university is must have been absolutely fantastic for this team. Now for the bad. The Panthers choking that thing up. I mean, nobody in the whole NFC South really deserves to win. But they took this wind out of the Saints' sails, too, because the Saints thought they were still in it. They actually beat the Eagles outright, but all for nothing because of uh, that ugly choke from the Panthers. But, hey, Saints fans, don't don't get me wrong. You had your opportunity to beat Tampa as well and choke that game away yourselves. Ohio State was bad, kind of getting lazy at the end of the game, not being aggressive and not trying to – Put it away with your offense instead of relying on a kicker like that. I thought that was a bad look for Ohio State. Uh, the bad beat on Illinois was bad for sports betting for sure. That was a disgusting beat, lateraling the ball. And whenever that happens, man, as a better, you always are just like looking at the ground like, oh, my God, what is going to happen to me? That is just terrible. That, was, that probably should have made my ugly section and not my just bad section. Uh, Purdue, oh my God, they got beat like by 50-some points in their bowl game. I put a little bit of money on Purdue, and it was a bad play, but so many dogs were covering at this point, I was okay with it. And But Purdue, just their backups are looking pretty bad. Not so excited for Purdue football coming into the 2023 season, and this might be a opportunity for you to get some line value. When, right when those season win totals come out, you might want to slam the under on the Purdue Boilermakers with a new coach coming in. Now for the ugly. Um, the NFL really, really screwed up by putting the Packers game at the end, completely screwing over Lions and Seahawks fans. It's almost like they want the Packers in the playoffs, so this is what they did. This is the, the worst thing they could have done with all the things on the line through the throughout the week. You know, I'm sure they want ratings, but why the hell would the Lions want to play if Seattle wins? And then Seattle has to watch a team that's not motivated to play and watch their playoff dreams disappear when the Packers beat an unmotivated team. Because if Seattle wins and the Lions win, Seattle's in. If Seattle loses, the Lions win, the Lions are in. If the Packers win, Either way, they're in. So the Packers game should be the one that's earlier. And then the Seattle game should be the one that's later because they're playing a Rams team that's trying to play spoiler anyway. So just an absolute bullshit situation and ugly decision for the NFL. And this league is absolutely run like garbage. And how, how do you keep defending them that they're not trying to write their own narratives and essentially using the R-I-G word in the sport, it's just so hard to keep defending them when they do shit like this. You know, they clearly want the Green Bay to be in the playoffs, and it's screwing over two teams while they do it. Uh, Carson Wentz, he made my ugly, just like I said last week. I am picking Cleveland in my teaser because, for some reason, Washington thinks that Carson Wentz is okay again. <laughs> I've been screaming that Heineke's better. And I'm not saying Heineke's a great quarterback. Still a borderline second string guy. 
but Carson Wentz does not belong, and he threw three interceptions, completely blowing the chance for the commanders. Horrible move by Rivera putting Wentz in, and they got beat by a team that can't even stop the run in the Cleveland Browns. The Vikings choke was ugly. I mean, the Packers didn't even have to do much that game. And the Vikings just all of a sudden are down 14-0, pick six in a, in a what was it, a special teams touchdown. You know, 14 points, and the Packers literally had done nothing on offense themselves. That's a Vikings Kirk Cousins special for you right there. Primetime game, or at least not his normal 1 p.m. Eastern slot. Cousins looking terrible. The Raiders game, the refs in the Raiders game was terrible. Um, the Niners should have put this team away earlier. They gave Devontae Adams a catch that clearly hit the ground. Just one of those situations where the refs were like, yeah, the t- crowd's screaming. We're going to give them a catch on this. When video evidence showed that it was a trap and it hit the ground. It just blows my mind. And then they gave them a free pass interference call against Warner, who didn't even touch his opponent in the end zone uh, to set up the Raiders to score and force overtime. So that was absolutely ugly. And obviously the most ugly thing of the weekend is the saddest thing of the weekend with DeMar Hamlin. I think he's going to be okay. I'm praying for him. I didn't sleep much last night thinking about it. And uh, I'm just hoping that we hear some really good news today for him and his family. Blondie, hey, you realize we might be risking our lives? Yeah, if I get killed, you'll never get your hands on all that beautiful money. Now, it's time to get into NFL Week 17 misleading final scores. The Cardinals outgained the Falcons 339-298, yet lost 20-19. They won the turnover battle 1-0, but just was bad in the red zone. So bad for the Cardinals there, and David Blow was the quarterback in that game. The Dolphins outgained the Patriots 333-249, yet lost 23-21. A 2-0 turnover ratio killed them. The Saints and Eagles tied at 313 yards, and yet the Saints won 20-10. Equal turnover ratios, but horrible field position and time of possession killed the Birds. I mean, they just couldn't get the ball. Only 22 minutes of possession. The Vikings outgained the Packers 346 to 315, yet lost 41 to 17, a 4 to 0 turnover ratio. Just bad special teams got the Queens right from the beginning. And the Raiders outgained the 49ers 500 to 454, yet lost 37 to 34. 2 to 1 turnover ratio hurt them. I, I wanted to mention the, Ra- the Raiders anyway, because they were really kind of in that game ish until obviously that last drive. This next segment is pretty important because motivation is a massive factor, and it's going to factor into the free play that I'm giving you uh, coming into week 18. So betting spots, you know, letdown spots. I mean, it's not a ton of letdown here. I guess the Saints and the Panthers against each other might be a little flat. Blew their chances at the division. You don't know what the Texans and Colts are going to do in this situation either. But it's just games that I'm probably not going to want to bet. But there's some serious get-up spots coming up. The Jets can play spoiler to Miami making the playoffs. So remember what I said about spoilers? This is a real thing. Now, you can make an argument that the Detroit wants to play the spoiler. Even if the Seattle wins, 
that's different because Detroit just got their hearts ripped out 10 minutes ago and then they have to go play. It's much better if you're playing the spoiler when you knew it a week ahead of time, <laughs> okay? You have the, obviously, emotions that go away from you. So just wanted to mention that before I um, go ahead because the Lions are in a spoiler situation where they can play the Packers, but it doesn't nearly factor in as much being that they might just get knocked out of the playoffs. Now, the Rams, they can play spoiler themselves, though, to the Seahawks and might want to take their division opponent out of the playoffs uh, coming up this weekend. Baker Mayfield can be pretty dangerous in these situations. Browns can play spoiler to Pittsburgh making the playoffs, so that's another one that we have coming up this weekend. Uh, the Raiders can ruin the top two seeds for the Chiefs, maybe. Obviously, a lot more to get through because we're not going to know what happens with the uh, Cincinnati situation because if Cincinnati does lose this makeup game or whatever they're going to do to uh, the Buffalo Bills, then they'd be playing for the division against the Ravens, making that a huge game. But not sure how that's going to what's going to happen with that. I think a tie actually forces uh, Cincinnati to win before that. So that's interesting. And then the Bears can obviously solidify the Vikings' third spot in the playoffs. It's uh, not really ideal for the Vikings to be that motivated. I mean, they're twelve and four. They're going to probably fin they can say, "Okay, we're going to finish thirteen and four. The Niners are probably going to be thirteen and four too, because they have a very easy game against the the Cardinals. Then the Eagles have that easy game against the Giants because the Giants are in a terrible situation. The Cardinals, I guess you could say that they could cost 49ers a top seed in the playoffs too, but the Cardinals are that bad, so and I see motivation with the Niners. So for look-ahead spots, um, this is kind of the situation where they might not play their starters. The Vikings may not play starters versus the Bears, knowing everything I just said. So keep that in mind. They're a hard bet this week. The Giants can't improve or lose their seed versus the Eagles. So they're not playing anybody. The Cowboys can't improve their five seed when the Eagles are blowing, blowing out the Giants. <laughs> so at halftime, the Cowboys might bench their whole team. Tampa won't play much starters versus the Falcons at all because they're 8-8 eight and eight and won their division already. So they're the four seed no matter what. And the here's the thing. The Chargers is kind of interesting. They can't really improve their wild card seed much versus the Broncos because obviously um, Jacksonville is going to take one. They're, they're going to be a, a fourth or fifth, a fifth or sixth seed, but they could lose it, I guess, if the Ravens do beat Cincinnati. Do they care? Do they care though to be a five or six seed? That's a good question. They do avoid like the Cincy or the Buffalo in the first round if that happens, and they get the Jacksonville in the first round. Is that is that worth playing for for health? That's all up to your thoughts. But I just don't think the Chargers should be that motivated. Really, really. I think they should be caring about finally being healthy and staying healthy. Who cares if you're the six seed? You got to play these teams anyway. You know, um, and it's not like Jacksonville is a bad team. You can't just think like, oh, I want to play Jacksonville and just go to Jacksonville and lose to Trevor Lawrence. So very interesting conundrum for the Chargers. And that brings us our free play that we're giving out. And I gave this at plus six when this opened up. It is still plus three and a half. Take the Washington Commanders plus three and a half against the Cowboys. 
the commanders will be motivated to try to end the, the, the week well, to end the season well. After a disappointing season, that's just how Riverboat Ron teams are run. The Cowboys can't do anything after halftime as long as the Eagles are blowing out a non-motivated Giants team that are stuck in the sixth seed. They can't go down to the seventh seed. They can't move up to the five seed. So the Giants aren't playing their players. You know, why would they? <laughs> why would they risk injury when they're in the same seed anyway? And that means the Cowboys are going to be stuck themselves in the fifth seed where they're going to bench their players and the commanders should be able to cover this spread easily. I loved it at six. I love it at three and a half. I like it at three. And I probably like the Cowboys or, or the Washington football team all the way to winning this game. But one thing I am concerned is that Washington – they're not that much better than the Cowboys' backups, so keep that in mind as well. But grab it at the uh, plus three and a half for two point five stars. You're ridiculously good looking. All right, my friends, that's all we have for this show today. Prayers for Demar Hamlin and his family. Hopefully, they get up and get uh, healthy. Uh, hopefully this all ends well. I hope you have a wonderful week. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at the Oddsbreakers. Email us at info at the Oddsbreakers. And go get some winners.